lunch at Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good. Hello and welcome to Uncle Mo's Family Feedback, where we look at the dizzying highs, the terrifying lows, and the creamy middles of seasons one to twelve. Bit of magic, a random episode generation. I'm joined as always by a uh, Cal Reader, my good friend here. Cal, how are we doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good, man. We've actually got um, I was going to mention it in our previous episode. Um, I actually got talking to another. You won't believe this. Another Sheffield Bay Simpsons podcast. Oh. They're called the Four One One folks, and I had a message through uh, Zach Woods. Um, and he said that um, he'd sort of help us out along the way. So if you go check out the 411 folks on uh, SoundCloud and Facebook, you can give them a like as well. Um, but yeah, they said they'd go and help us out then. But people, yeah, please uh, go and listen to their podcast. They've got cool little uh, gimmicks like uh, Lisa's Stop It, when Lisa's been a bit overjudgmental or a bit uh, overly uh, SJW, they call it out. It's very funny, and uh, you should go and check it out. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. And the episode we are reviewing today is Krusty Gets Cancelled. This is from uh, Season 4, Episode 22, the final episode of Season 4. Directed by David Silverman, written by John Swartzwelder. The original air date being May the 13th, 1993. The chalkboard gag, I will not charge admission to the bathroom. And the couch gag being the family steps into a net trap on the way to the couch. Uh, Cow, as always... Do you remember this very well? What are your initial thoughts to Krusty Gets Cancelled? This is another episode I do remember being shown quite a bit. Um, Mainly about like Luke Perry and how I wasn't... My my sister knew who Luke Perry was, but I didn't because when I start, like I said, when I started properly watching The Simpsons religiously a lot more, some of the jokes are a bit kind of like... Who are these people? I don't know who Johnny Johnny Carson more because he wasn't really a big guy over here. I understand a lot more now, um, the impact of Johnny Carson and stuff, and the whole his Johnny is a rip on him basically. But it's a good episode. It's a very it's a very funny episode where it's not wacky enough for crazy things to happen, crazy shenanigans to happen, and it just being ridiculous. There's obviously a lot of A-lister stars, especially A-listers from... When was this episode first aired? 1993 in May. Yeah, so there's obviously still quite a few, quite a lot of um, fresh, you know, quite A-list people and with... For example, the Chili Peppers being quite an up-and-coming band at the time. I'm holding my fanboyism. Uh, we'll get to Chili Peppers, don't you worry, people. What well, I'll run it down uh, the biggest cast list to date, minus the uh, Homer at the Bat episode. We have Johnny Carson, Hugh Hefner, Bette Midler, Luke Perry, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Also, Elizabeth Taylor and Barry Wright. I completely forgot Barry White was in this episode. He's right yeah, he is. at the start. It's a, it's a, it's a very good episode. It's it's just it's good. It's a good episode. I think I love uh Elizabeth Taylor's just like I'm gonna sack my agent. <laughs> but it's just it kind of it kind of plays on the law that um Christie's been around for a while as well. 
because there's a joke with um, Johnny Carson where he's just like, you've been on TV longer than me. Yeah, that yeah, that was odd. That he's old school entertainment. One of the things as well, I'll get, I'll no, I'll get to it actually when uh, we get to the part in, in the episode. We open up with uh, Springfield Squares, where the aforementioned Barry White is on. This is his second time appearing, other than uh, the Whacking Day episode. But again, he only gets like a few lines, but he nails them. It's just the character of Barry White is a very cool man. Come out to my square. It's safe and sexy. Oh, baby. Not going to lie, I would want to spend time with Barry White. I'd feel safe in his square. Yeah, I'd feel pregnant. <laughs> but yes, uh, Springfield Squares gets destroyed by the wave, which leads up to a new advert for Gabbo. 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 And this has the whole town talking about Gabbo this and Gabbo that. Why aren't they talking about Creep Jesus this and Jericho that? Can you remember any uh, big sort of... Well, I suppose this is a viral marketing campaign. and You'd see him more and more, and a lot of them are forced out or throats more and more. What do you think of this, Cal? It's... it's a, I don't know. It's not... It is something a bit more. I don't know if it is parodying something what was going on around that time or anything like that. When I think of these marketing campaigns, it shows it... All right, in Britain, in case we have any international li- listeners, because we're going places, people... Uh, oak furniture land. I don't know if you get them up north, Cal, but you know, knock on wood. Oh yeah. Yeah. Always got to knock on some wood, and I just keep whistling that song now because that damn advert. Also, that horrible uh, Virgin Atlantic ain't no body cover ruined Shaka Carl. I guess it is. It's all it's all good marketing stuff like that. Like everywhere around the world's got their own weird little like the Go Compare Man and the Meerkat people. Where if we if we do have any international listeners, have no idea what I'm on about. But good marketing can kind of embed in your brain like a like a snug kind of thing. Because what it, when I was in uni and college and studying it and stuff, marketing was always one of the most interesting things of just trying to get something what's so catchy it just gets embedded. Like for example, if I say oh eight hundred double O. 1066. Exactly. Damn it. <laughs> this sweeps the whole town of Springfield, questioning if Gabo or Garbo is coming, according to Mr. Burns. And it turns out he's just a doll. You can find him every afternoon at four. He is right up against Krusty. And he just needs a hook with a, I'm a bad little boy. And Bart, obviously, coming out with his old pastiche by Caramba, very reflective. But how is this going to fare up with Krusty? But he's buried all the previous talents before him. Can you remember any sort of big TV rivals or big sort of um, TV series um, rivals throughout the years? I don't really know. Other than in England, it's more other than like The Simpsons and Family Guy and stuff like that. Like more English-based ones, it's not as petty. Like they'll have things where they'll say, like a Harry Hill joke will say, oh, it's, it's more, that should be on Channel 5 kind of thing, because Channel 5 is kind of a bit of a more trash TV kind of uh, show. My son's got five arses. Yeah, like just like th- that type of crap and stuff like that. Like, I don't think there's any massive, massively big uh, rivalries. Looking at the trivia on uh, on IMDb, Marge doesn't have a speaking word in this entire episode. I have that exact actress. same trivia in my notes it's as well. still credited. I find that fascinating. I could not believe it. But again, like you with the uh, Skinner and Bart interaction in uh, Bart and the Mother. Yeah, you're right. I cannot remember this at all. And 
they're absolutely uh, right. No Marge dialogue. Surprising. It's because Julie uh, Kavner sat out of the episode completely in protest over the early use of celebrity guest stars. This is the first time in the history of the series that one of the family members, excluding Maggie, does not uh, have a single line. Oh, wow. As Gabbo sweeps his way over the nation and over Springfield, he's getting more caught up in pop culture. Even, and this get, went over my head for many years, but what Mayor Quimby says here, I didn't realise he um paid someone to kill his enemy, but yeah. he gets away with the catfish. That went way over my head. <laughs> Shame with me. I remember. I just remember watching that, and it's just um he gets re-elected by a landslide as well. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute, hang on. I admit I used the city treasury to fund the murder of my enemies, but as Gabo would say, I'm a bad little boy. Krusty gets more and more desperate. And in fact, one of the deleted scenes there, he plans to uh, sell a sex book. I believe this is reminiscent of Madonna released a sex book in the early 90s just to keep her career afloat. In fact, there's quite a lot of good deleted scenes from this one. Name a few. Gone from the head now. <laughs> ah, see what I mean? Is the pressure on the spot there? Is what I'll, I'll whilst you try and think of it, I will give another fun fact. One of the goals of the episode was to have an ex episode, uh, an ex president of the United States. They wrote very respectful but cute parts for each of the then living ex presidents, uh, Richard Nixon, Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter, and Ronald Reagan, at, uh, at the time, but they all turned them down. Only the latter responded, saying a politely worded reply being Ronald Reagan, who used to be an actor and was probably fucking batshit insane at that point. You know, he had early onset of Alzheimer's when he got inducted. He did, and they say this president's terrible. Who would have guessed? Don't hire Hollywood. Crossy is in the pits. His show gets cancelled now. Or even before the show gets cancelled, all his talent's getting sweeped away. Itchy and scratchy, sideshow mail, and it gets replaced with uh, Worker and Parasite. Cal, what is this? I don't know. I really want to know if if it gets if it gets like translated, if it, or if it is just literally just gibberish. Where it's going. Gonna... It sounds like the aliens from uh, Mars Attacks. But it has to be some sort of communist vibe to it because it's oh yeah definitely Eastern European. But it's just yeah the jumbleness of the animation and gradually getting more and more angry. And I can't count the amount of times that I've seen that crusty moon of limp faced. The fag's just about to fall from his mouth of, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> now, I guess you must have used that in certain situations. It's a good... Um, it's a perfect reaction. It is, just like, I like... I have a very, very emotive face sometimes, and sometimes I'm not very good at hiding my kind of what-the-fuck-am-I-looking-at face, especially when I'm drunk, and especially if I've got a cigarette, because it's a prop. And I'm an actor, and you're and the world is my stage. My reaction to this is, people don't know I'm a massive wrestling fan, still am to this day, and just, it's a coin toss with what kind of show you're going to get, quality-wise, writing-wise, so that seems to be a constant face with a lot of wrestling fans. Oh, Raw happened tonight. What the hell was that? Krusty is shut down now, he's been cancelled. He's got to try and, you know, get some odd jobs on the side. And this is where we meet our first guest, Johnny Carson. But before I get into him, Cal, uh, 
Which actor did you like the most? Which portrayal did you like the most in this episode? I think the Red Hot... Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers are before that, aren't they? No, they um, most for the concert. The only reason why I mention that is because there's another fun fact. There, uh, there is a scene in where the Red Hot Chili Peppers and his most having, and each of the members greets him, Flea, the last member in, shouts, Hey, Mo! It's uh, for his lung. During the recording, Flea was not even in the booth at the time, but screamed it so loudly that it was uh, decided to use the take anyway. So he was not um, even in the recording booth? No. Oh, the, the lungs on that man. <laughs> I don't know. I like. I do like Johnny Carson because from what I've watched him, watched videos of him, they get his mannerisms really, really good of just hand in the pocket, kind of like slowly talking. Quite a charming guy. Yeah, and the golf swing and that. Yeah, exactly. It's all. It's really, really. I don't know. It's just really fascinating to me a little bit. Um, but I didn't really follow him much. The whole Hugh Hugh Hefner with um, they're all cause they're all parodies of each other, like. You have to actually being really smart and stuff. One of the things that I always remember in this episode um, is the bubble pipe. And I always wanted one, but I had no idea where to get one from. Oh, they looked really cool when I was a kid. Yeah. Get the lack of tobacco, but the effect of looking cute. It's a win-win. I'll just give you Johnny Carson in a nutshell from what I could gather from uh, similar Simpsons podcasts and uh, commentary as well. The history of Johnny Carson. As much as he was a great entertainer, he, he wasn't at the forefront of women's rights, I'll just say that. He only put over two comedians, two female comedians in his life. One was Joan Rivers, the other was Alan DeGeneres. He was very, very selective about who he wanted on his show, especially I, for women. To be fair, I have not heard great things about Ellen DeGeneres. I've heard she's quite a nightmare to work with and quite a nasty human being, but she has the persona of being a really nice, likeable person. I've heard it's a great kept secret that uh, Ellen's a nightmare to work with. She's a complete cunt. That's my C word of the week. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> One an episode. One an episode. And also another minor fact about Johnny Carson. Obviously, massive philanderer, you know. He was a bit of a top shagger. He's been divorced, what, three or four times or so? And there was a multiple, well, a small portion of Simpsons writers that actually wrote for Carson on his late show and he would constantly scrutinise the jokes and get him to rewrite it for more dated older references for his audience that's why whenever they roused the chance to get into Carson or to mention Carson on The Simpsons it was always negatively like he was lame or he was older that and in fact Johnny Carson stopped doing his show because The Simpsons were being more piss takey and that would lead to other piss takes of him in other pop culture and initially, he was supposed to be a cheapskate. That was his trait for this episode. So he would oh, say, you know, okay. oh, can you lend me a five or spot me a five here and there? But no, much like they did with one of the baseball players in Home of the Bat, they made him just superhuman perfect. But I think this superhuman act works pretty well, and it does work with the generally Johnny Carson's character as well, so it does work very well. Who's your favourite uh, cameo in this. I'll get to them later, Val. I'm, uh, I'm edging, as the kids say. You'll just wait and see. But Crossy's down to his last few dollars. He's tried acting jobs. He's tried this and that. This is one of my favourite parts of the episode. It's very much less is more. Crossy bets his last ten bucks on a horse. And it's just the visuals and the animation. David Silverman's done a grand job here. Crossy just being completely frantic. Don't look at me. Run. No, don't go. Come over here. Fantastic animation, and you just got every little expression from Krusty's face. But he's broke now. Gabo is the cream of the crop. He's the 
king of the town. So Lisa and Bart try and track down Creston. I've not seen him in days. And he's seen with a sign, we'll drop pants for food. Desperate times have come at Krusty now. But this guy's giving it away for free. And it's the old Jewish man with a belt of assault. Old gray mare, she ain't what she used to be. Ain't what she used to be. Ain't what she... They get him in and they find that he used to be friends with all these old celebrities. Bette Midler, Johnny Carson, Hugh Hefner. And they decide he needs a comeback. He needs to get back into shape and get back on top. But he turns on the TV. And oh look, old grey mare has got his own TV show. If this is not more relevant in 2018 with all these Instagram stars getting suddenly famous, I don't know what will. i got a lot of uh, parallels with Catch Me Outside Girl. And have you seen the meme of that uh, black guy with a really wide neck? Yeah, the mugshot. Yeah, he's got 250k... Uh, follows on Instagram now. What a sad life we live now. Well, it's like that prisoner, the hottest prisoner ever, who got a modelling uh, contract from it. Who needs talent now? Who needs an actual job when you can just sell fucking fuel and... Um, oh, what's that gimmick they always sell over Facebook? Tummy tea. Shit tea. But they come back, and Krusty is a mess. He's been drinking those milkshakes. But not those diet milkshakes. But eventually he works through and he manages to shift his weight. Again, I really enjoyed the animation in this. Him fighting with Homer or sparring with Homer. Maggie, oh, just uh-huh. Maggie's little Maggie face look, looking really concerned. Switching back <laughs> over. What uh, products rose early today? Ah, and Homer's not having any of it. Tries to get the old gang back together. Ocean Eleven kind of style. He goes to Sideshow Mel first. But he's not having any of it. And we get... It's not the squeaky voice team, but it's his voice dealing with his lunch. Again, it's this episode. I feel season four is when they've really hit it off. This is peak gold age, even just from this scene. If this wasn't me when I was 16 and my first job, I don't know what was. Oh, come on. You want to waste your life hanging out with a bunch of dorky teenagers? Here's your taco, mister. Whoops. Fell in the fryer. I'll get it out. Oh, 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 oh. Sorry, Krusty. I like it here. Mr. Johansson treats me with dignity. Is this clown bothering you, Mel? That's all right, Mr. Johansson. I'll handle it. Here's your taco, sir. I don't want it. But this comes out of my salary. If I had a girlfriend, she'd kill me. Ah, <laughs> oh, drops in the fryer. I'll get it out. Did you have a bad voice like that? Because I was known to be a bit pitchy back my... in the day. <laughs> so, my voice is obviously quite deep and quite bassy. Um... My voice broke quite young, because I was around uh, 11 at the time. What the problem with it is, I don't know about yourself, but when I used to uh, speak and stuff, my voice would all of a sudden just drop like that. But then rather than just letting it go and just continuing on what I was saying, what I would do is correct myself. So if we were, we, we were just having a normal, normal, conversation oh no which was then obviously a lot more no uh, noticeable <laughs> oh you poor sweet prince i know what about yourself uh i just got really pitchy between 13 to 15 and it's 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 ah oh, it's nothing else to say it's just humiliating especially when it's you know someone you fancy that you build up the courage and then it's oh no that's gone out the window and there's me through it as well now we get to Ah, oh. oh, my favourite guest stars and my favourite band of all time, Cal. Please give me the platform here just to 
Right love letter to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, what more else is there else to say? They managed to combine pop and funk and rap perfectly. They've got a, what, 30, nearly 40 plus uh, year career. I've seen them God knows how many times. I can't send enough love to them despite, you know, creative changes and chopping and changing a couple of key band members. I think they gave a really great performance here. What about you, Cal? Enough about me. I like it. I've always liked them. I've liked them since they were younger. Um, I even like some of the newer stuff as well, which is quite controversial. I don't know. My sister got me into them. I always remember being in a bar in a uh, local town with an ex-girlfriend at the time. We weren't, ne- we weren't ex at that point, but it was a very kind of mismatched relationship where we used to snap all the time. And karaoke was being sung, and um, somebody was singing like, hey, hey, um, Caroline, we Caroline, do, 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 and like really badly singing it. And we were just getting really pissed off and just getting a bit snappy with each other or whatever. And then somebody sung Snow by Red Hot Chili Peppers. And it was really good. And it kind of shut everyone up. And people started singing along. Oh, that's what I love to hear. The Chili Peppers arrive at Moe's. They've been swindled. Apparently the place holds 30,000 people. And it is true, according to the Moe. They hold 30,000 there last night. And they need to play. The audience is getting restless. And it's just Barney. Hey, Chili Willis. But Mark manages to rescue them by a very simplistic method. I mean, you talk about Homer's sort of elastic stupidity. Hey, man, look over there. To be fair, it worked. They did come out, but then Homer's got to pay to enjoy just looking at the wall with Mo. Mark and Lisa end up managing to track down Bette Midler. Again, I thought this was another great trait they put on Bette Midler. Again, similar to Johnny Carson with the Superhuman, but um, a bit a bit more nuanced. She's very environmentally friendly, and she's got the action hero build to her. They do. This is another thing as well. They do sex her up a little bit. Yeah, especially near the end. Well, she is a sort of a cabaret old school singer as well, so she's used to be looking extravagant. And I guess it was right for the animators to draw her in a sort of um, bountiful way, in a sort of yeah. essential way. What did you think of uh, Bette Midler, Xena Warrior Princess, in that introduction scene? That bit I always remember. I've always remembered it since when I was younger. Of just the can and chasing after him, just throwing the can and making him crash off the mountains. Like, I'll get you, Bette Midler. Then it comes to Krusty's big performance. Do you know uh, what this is briefly parodying? Uh, it, it's Sinatra. Uh, yes, the, the actual comeback show itself is based on Sinatra. And he also sung Send in the Clowns. But you know the big letters that light up? Um, no, I don't. Elvis's 68 comeback special. Ah. I know that. I actually know that fact from uh, Granny, because when I first watched it, I watched it with her, and she was like, oh, that's just like uh, Elvis. And to me, oh, who is this Elvis man? If anyone can watch Elvis's 68 comeback special, it is a great show. It's before he got poisoned by... Colonel Parker and all that, and it's got my favourite song, um, If I Can Dream, he finishes at the end. Great performance. Highly recommend it. It's before he went to Vegas and had a penchant for cheeseburgers and drugs. They get on with the show and they kick off with Johnny there, but he's not kicking off with some magic or couple of jokes. He's lifting a 76 or 56 Buick Skylark over his head. Absolutely manic. This isn't sort of extreme, sort of, well, it is extreme wacky comedy, but I believe this is the only, um, well, one or two examples, obviously Bette Miller going 
oh, action here, and then Johnny Carson doing this, but there's no other sort of extreme moments in the show. It's not, not no. maybe it's just funny. thing is about uh, Bette Midler and why she's introduced as the whole crazy freaking Xena, Xena Warrior princess is because, fun fact, Bette Midler's condition for guest starring was the show uh, promoted her anti-littering campaign, which is why she looks like such a babe when it shows you that bit. Oh, right. I, I generally didn't know that. She sings, You are the wing beneath my wings with Krusty. And again, Krusty butchering it as always. That's one of my dad's favourite moments as well. Just him singing out of nowhere. But Krusty shows a success. He's killed off Gabo and the busy celebrating in Moe's Tavern. And this is where you... I think this actually might be my line of the show or moment of the show. Just the venom and the veracity that Flea comes in. I feel in his head he was like, Oh, we've not got much more dialogue. Oh, okay, that's a fleeting moment. Oh, no, we've got one more bit. Right, I'm going to give it my fucking all. What's up, Mo? So one thing you kind of didn't mention, is you didn't mention much about Luke Perry being a half-brother of Chris Dude Clown. Um, him basically almost killing him off by uh, shooting him in a rocket that goes out of the window and then through uh, the Quickie Mart, which has a little acid. Um, uh lemon shower thing and then it goes lands in the nice big old factory of pillows which then gets demolished this was perfect escalation like yeah. you got bit to bit to bit then the rest and then just the slam cut outside and i think even what makes it for me is the continuous ah! i'll put in a bit here My final fan fact, and that's why I kind of diverted onto that. <laughs> final one. My final one at the moment. No, my final one for this episode um, is in Latin America, in the Latin America dub, Luke Perry was renamed Robert Redford. His producers in Latin America did not think the public would know who Luke Perry was. This added to the confusion when a peephole uh, peep magazine is shown displaying Perry's name. Well, that's really odd, the fact they've got a older man who was in a couple of westerns flying through the sky, burning his face. Also the fact that he looks nothing alike. <laughs> Obviously it is a cartoon, but like Robert Redford kind of I was I before before Trump was a president, I used to see pictures of Robert Redford and I thought they looked very similar. Look on his IMDB, right? I'm gonna I'll send it here. Do you not look do you not think he looks like like Trump's more handsome brother? Oh, wow, he does. he does. I think it's just his hair looks a bit too fake. He is a hunky Trump, I'll give him that. The show's gone well for Krusty. He's not going to spoil his uh, earnings this time, apart from on a lovely ruby-studded clown nose. Oh, my God, I'm broke. It finishes with Krusty getting toasted as possibly the greatest entertainer in the world, apart from Johnny Carson, who, of course, is tap dancing, playing the accordion, and balancing Jasper and Abe on his head. We were absolutely clueless, thinking this is the bus to the Metro. And that's how we end the episode. And I actually like this episode, Cal, as much as people might gasp in shock horror. I thought this was a fitting end, and it made sense as well. There was no final cut-off or just rambling end or short change end. This was a perfect end, I feel, to this episode. episode.
Yeah, I think so as well. I think I think it's definitely because I think the the episode, as you were saying before, uh, is the baseball one where it has a lot of guests. Um, the thing is with that bit, that one is especially over here, it's it's not as marketable really with the amount of guests. But the baseball is not really a thing over here. Um, but the fact that he, yeah, obviously it, it, we're talking almost twenty, uh, well, longer than twenty years, almost pushing thirty years since that episode at first aired, yet we still know a bunch of the uh, the people who guest starred in it. It kind of shows how timeless it truly is. And they don't get... Well, they got the celebrities to have as many as they could for the baseball one, but they gave them traits, makes them... Well, makes them funny, it makes them more relatable. Yeah, so, exactly. because of that, I'm going to give this episode, for the first time ever, five out of five, air quotes, diet milkshakes. I've got to agree with you, if I'm honest. And, uh, Ooh, my average at the moment has been three out of various different rating systems. This one, I'm going to give it five screaming fleas out of five. Can you do the screaming flea out of the five? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wanted to hear. But yeah, I thought it was a very good episode. It was a very strong episode. It's kind of when The Simpsons started hitting towards the peak a little bit. I don't know. I just thought it was, it was not not hitting the peak, but going towards the peak. If you can please like and comment and share on our Facebook page, Uncle Mo's Family Feed Pag Dash, a Simpsons podcast. We'd uh, greatly appreciate that now. The numbers are steadily growing here. So now um, I will hit the random episode generated button and we'll see what comes forthwith. <laughs> Oh, Cal, you'll be very happy with this one. Okay. We're going, jumping all the way to season six, episode 24, Lemon of Troy. Oh. Yes, the lemon face memes begin. Are you excited for this next one then, Cal? I am. It is a good, it is a very good episode. I was thinking about watching it the other day, actually, so it's quite useful. You will get the great opportunity, as will you two listeners when we're back Next week with another Uncle Mo's Family Feedback. Take care. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good.